Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon And I'm Emma Gray And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about toga parties, romantic overnight trysts, and shocking cliffhangers. This week, we've got more of the courtship and Temptation Island, plus, you know, a little Bachelor Nation gossip to sustain us during this long trek to July and The Bachelorette. I am ready yeah. for Gabby and Rachel's journey. The well is starting to run a little bit dry. I'm like, I need a fresh infusion of exactly. direct-from-the-source gossip. So our wonderful guest this week to help us dig into all of these things is Allison Raskin, author of Overthinking About You, out May 3rd, and host of the Just Between Us podcast. Allison, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to have you back. Uh, and we have a real variety of topics to discuss <laughs> this time. Uh, I think it's going to be a joy. I can't yes. wait. I had never seen these shows before. And uh, wow, I'm changed having seen them. Yeah, welcome. So, are we. so. <laughs> yeah. this was our first Temptation Island, and oh boy, it's really changed our whole outlook on life. But let's save that for the end. I think we're going to start with gossip, and we're going to work our way up to Temptation Island, because you can't just start with people smacking paint handprints onto each other's asses. You have to start with gossip. Let's let's yeah, talk about Yeah, I need about, more coffee before the <laughs> ass painting. We're going to let our caffeine drips continue to work while we discuss some news from Mari and Kenny. Uh Mari Pepin and Kenny Brash, uh, who met on Bachelor in Paradise last summer, they are planning a wedding. So I are they like the only couple that's still together? <laughs> I'm like uh, no, that's not true. They're the only one that's Abigail, like pl planning a wedding right now. Yeah. We had and a bunch Joe of engagements. And Joe, and Joe and Serena are still together, moving in together. Abigail and yeah. Noah, Thomas and Becca. Well, I don't count the ones who 
broke up and got back together. Obviously, those are fake. Those aren't real love. It's only real <laughs> if you get engaged on the on beach. The show. Um, I was really, I was really powerfully affected by the breakup of Riley and Marissa, but I think they're actually the only real big breakup. Yeah. Mari and Kenny are planning a wedding in Puerto Rico. No other details, but that's a good one. Good place to get married. I'm so excited for them. I um, Me too. I feel like they're both lovely people and they found each other and they like, uh, they rose to the occasion of the stress that that situation must bring on them. And now they're making it happen. I feel like I was really like, unconvinced when they were on the show. And this just, this happens to me all the time. Then people get off the show and I just like immediately softened the relationship. (laughs) And I want to believe in love so deeply. I'm like, please stay together forever. You're both beautiful and adorable. And I only want the best for you. I think we (laughs) truly like go from being like TV critics on the show. Like everyone's relationship is a storyline that we're picking apart. And the characters are like, literal characters that we're criticizing and then they leave and we're just like oh you're just two people who found love in this crazy world like what are the odds (laughs) and that's how we compartmentalize (laughs) uh mari is also planning to compete in miss world puerto rico this year for the last time because once she ties the knots she won't be able to compete anymore it's maidens only i'm afraid and these is that pageants. true? Yeah, so it's Miss World. I, there are separate yeah. pageants for married women, <laughs> but they're yeah. not—they're not the preeminent ones, right? You never talk about like Mrs. USA. <laughs> um, let's talk about that other relationship I was referring to from Bip, Marissa, and Riley. Marissa went on Ben and Ashley I's Almost Famous podcast recently, and like quote unquote opened up about their breakup, which everyone has been, like, dying to know what happened because there's been I a lot of shade thrown. the way that these, like, bachelor company, bachelor podcasts are, like, exclusive tea. They really opened up. And then you listen to it, and she's just like, well, I don't really want to say anything negative. We just had a relationship, and it ended. And <laughs> that's about all I'm going to say. I know. I, I will go, and I'll read the articles that summarize what happened, and I'll be like, I've learned nothing. Nothing yeah, has which happened. like to be clear, fair enough if you don't want to gossip on a national platform about your breakup and want to like respect the privacy with your partner. But it, I just find the marketing of it to be so hilarious because it is literally always a fucking letdown. Yeah, it's always, and then the write ups are always like she shared exclusively or like she opened up, and and what she actually said was basically like. You know, off the show, you find that sometimes the relationship isn't what you thought or, like, the two people are actually more different than you think. And, like, my insecurities about his feelings for me that you saw on the show, those continued to be an issue. It's like, okay, so basically everything we would have guessed and maybe <laughs> already knew, but thank you, Marissa, for sharing. Um, Tammy went on Bachelors in the City, Tammy, who we recently saw in a dramatic turn on last year's Bachelor in Paradise. And more recently on TikTok, declaring her official break with the franchise. Yeah, we've heard that before. Like, is this going to be a Chris Bukowski situation? (laughs) I hope not. I think she needs to get away from the show. But she has been making the podcast rounds. Yeah. Do you feel like if she had stayed with Aaron then they would have made it to the end. 
I have to be honest, I don't fully remember <laughs> how that even all played out. It all seems so long ago now. I feel like Aaron is sort of full of shit and yeah. that he, there's no chance he would have made it to the end with her. Okay. Like, he just yeah. didn't want to be dumped. Right. No, no yes, I think you're he right. liked her. I think he liked her because he had options of other girls and he was never that into them as he was into her. But I think that Aaron wanted to stay on the show and it seemed like Tammy had a good thing with him or they were going to give each other roses. And once she dumped him, he was like, well, now I have to get other roses from other people would have been easier to just keep getting the same rose from the same person. But do I think that they would be together like now? Absolutely no. No, I really don't. (laughs) Zero percent. I think Aaron really enjoys his place as like a single guy shit stir with a shockingly white grin in Bachelor Nation, like way too much. And a very jacked best friend named James. Exactly. Maybe I was naive in that I believed in his love for her. I mean, it would have been it's, like a real hero's turn for for um, him, you know, if that, like, I would have, I, I was turning around on him a little bit with Tammy, but honestly, I was not convinced by, by how it played out the rest of the season. Um, I don't know. Uh, Tammy is also an interesting figure. I think she got, got excessively villainized for the choices she made on Bachelor in Paradise, but they also weren't the most, like, relatable or, um, like, uh, admirable at every turn, necessarily. Um, but she she went on Bachelors in the City this week, uh, which is Pilot Pete and Dustin Kendrick's podcast, and discussed more candidly than you usually hear. She, as they point out at the beginning, she's not on contract. And... Ooh. Uh, anymore. And she discussed basically that she really felt that production picks favorites, that if you're not a favorite, you don't really get opportunities to be in the spotlight or to be portrayed well, um, to get a good edit, and that that is related to race. And she and Dustin, actually, who's very, like, soft-spoken, doesn't um, normally want to like, rail on the franchise from what I've <laughs> seen in conversations with him. They both were basically like, yeah, like, whiteness is really important to the show and, like, being a person of color on the franchise, even if you make it really far or involved in major storylines like they both were, you still s- might not get any real screen time and it might all be really negative. Right. No, it, and it, it's the kind of thing that is so depressing to hear said bluntly, but mm-hmm. it's also something that I think we all know and can see like you watch the show and it's just very obvious like even on season recent seasons where we've seen the cast be potentially you know more than half people of color then you look at the screen time like bachelor data does a really good job of compiling the screen time and especially at the beginning of a season it'll just be like all blonde women like in the top three slots of screen time despite the fact that it, the season is, like, 55% people of color. Shanae had the top screen time on uh, Clayton's season until, like, episode nine or something. Right. Because she got so much before she left, which is really, really impressive. Um, but, yeah, and then Pilot Pete talked a great deal also about how the, the show doesn't like uh, him, and he's not sure why. 
Oh my God. Um, he said that in the same conversation as the discussion of race. He's like, I yeah. can relate. Yeah. As a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, it, it was, uh, it was an interesting conversation, but also relevant, uh, pilot Pete's brother just got married. His brother, Jet and Jack got married this oh weekend. My- a little I almost bachelor this nation gossip because I follow Dustin on mm. Instagram and Dustin and his girlfriend who are very cute together were at the wedding both looking extremely beautiful. Yeah. It's uh not really gossip, but I just <laughs> just think nice. Dustin is a nice and beautiful man. <laughs> I think gossip can be just nice. That yeah, you sometimes saw, gossip you saw is them nice. somewhere and they look great. That's gossip. Yeah, I don't. Why should we only have to say negative things behind <laughs> yeah, people's backs I agree. on a podcast? I agree. Just compliment everyone. Uh, <laughs> this is very small, but I thought it was funny. Uh, Becca Kufrin was doing um, a sort of an IG live Q and A with her followers, and someone asked if she would ever be friends with Katie. And Becca just dodged it very cheekily by being like, oh, my actual non-bachelor best friend is Katie and her birthday is this week. Yay, Katie. Um, And I think we all know that this was a reference to the fact that Becca um, and Katie Thurston are in something of a public feud because... Becca is now dating one of the quote-unquote villains from Katie's season. And Katie publicly posted um, during her 12 days of messy, like, Taylor Swift bonanza. Um, she posted that Thomas's song was I Knew You Were Trouble. And Becca unfollowed her thereafter. It's the most hilarious. <laughs> it's, like, hard huge. to even explain. It's, like, how is this a fight? <laughs> like... <laughs> I guess you have to, I guess maybe Becca is coming from the place of like anyone who thinks negatively about my boyfriend as someone I can't have in my life. Yeah, I think it's like Thomas got pretty pilloried for his time on the show and that like followed him to paradise. And it seems like, it seems like uh, any, they have really come together and as a team and they're like we are not letting negativity yeah. into our our orbit um, it's interesting but- <laughs> because becca is in an unusual position here this the bachelorette clan is like their sisterhood right like the bachelorettes like stand up right. for each other they're they're buddies or in theory but because becca was the first former bachelorette to go on paradise she actually ended up in a serious relationship with a guy who was a contestant on on another Bachelorette season, and like, have we ever seen that? It's and it creates this this new complexity in their in their relationship in their the sisterhood of Bachelorettes. I'm honestly just shocked that she even chose to address the question. Like, she clearly was like, "Oh, oh I, I want to throw a it. little bit of yeah. cheeky shade right here," like very uh, directly. Well. Katie dated Blake, who had dated Tasha and Claire. That's true. That's true. And I, I wonder how that would, but like, but Tasha like introduced them and was like, "We, this feels great for yeah, you guys." Tasha and Claire didn't really like Blake. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and that's something that actually has happened before. Although I don't, I think Blake was the first time that the Bachelorette in question ended up with the guy 
that like mm. the new bachelorette will meet the the old guy and the previous bachelorette will be like, oh, like he wasn't for me, but like he's such a good guy. He really believes in love. And like, yeah, it's almost like they're like wing womaning. And that was not the situation. Because Katie was like, Thomas, you are unkind and a liar. And like you suck and you need to go home right now. And that is not quite the same as being like, Becca, girl, like Thomas wasn't for me, but maybe you two could be a thing. I'm just, I don't know. It seems like a relatively small slight. Yeah. Um, but I guess they still, do they still not follow each other? Honestly, if I were Katie or Becca, I would be like, let's make up in private and just use this so that Bachelor podcasters have some shit to talk about for the next two years. <laughs> yeah, I hope, thanks, I hope that they are service. both in on this. I want um, them both to just be happy and drama-free. Also, Katie said on a, previous podcast that she had privately apologized to both Becca and Thomas. So I thought they were all good. I mean, honestly, I could understand never, like, if I were Becca, being like, the way that you handled Thomas on the show really sucked, and I'm never going to be your bestie. But, like, something else is going on. They're, they're, They're playing with us. I also don't understand why more people don't utilize just the mute feature on Instagram. Because you have to send a I message love, love that everyone knows. I get, <laughs> you, I guess, but I don't. love to mute. I'm just muting people left yeah. and right, and nobody knows. <laughs> oh, same. same. I've, I've muted a very prominent bachelor person that I don't want to unfollow, um, and no one will ever know who it is um, <laughs> because I Ooh, still the real them. the real tea that we wanted on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who has Claire muted? Everyone's dying to know. Um, yeah, I was like, someone will notice if I unfollow. Yeah. <laughs> no one will notice. Do you feel like Thomas deserved to be villainized the way that he was? No. No. Me neither. I, during Not the show, all. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. I was like, this seems like a really outsized reaction. Yeah. Right? I was like, is something happening that we are not seeing? Because, like, this kind of, like, bumbly guy being like, yeah, I've thought about being The Bachelor. Like, everyone was like, you're the devil. Yeah. And then it followed him to paradise. I know. Aaron was like, he's evil. He's an evil man. Like, (laughs) what? What? Insane. It was so weird. Yeah. It was a very bizarre episode. Probably we can mostly blame Aaron for that. Um, Another... (laughs) Another testament to Aaron's influence. Uh, This is more a little Bachelor industry gossip. Bachelor Live San Diego was canceled. Yeah, they just like sent out a last minute alert to everyone who had bought tickets being like, your refund is on its way. So I don't know, like were people just not buying enough tickets, which would not surprise me. Uh, The New York show, I will say, was was not filled. Hmm. Uh, Or are the participants just exhausted? Because I have seen Sydney and Becca just being, like, homesick. How many people were at the New York show? I don't know. I mean, it was a lot of people. But, like, the theater certainly wasn't full. Like, you you, you could see empty seats. That's my nightmare. That's my <laughs> greatest fear. <laughs> well, we've we've been there. We definitely have, have done live shows to not sold out uh, crowds. And you just have to get through it and go home and cry later. You know, that's show (laughs) business, baby. Um, (laughs) Meanwhile, just a little check-in on Gabby and Rachel. 
we're getting this like steady trickle of photos of them. I feel like this is more than ever. Like Mike Fleiss is just like, here's a little photo, Gabby Mike and Rachel Fleiss is for like, you guys. Look, they don't hate each other so much that they <laughs> won't appear in a photo together. I swear we're doing feminism. <laughs> yeah, he knows what we're afraid of. Allison, are you, will you be watching? Look, I have some confessions to make. And, <gasps> oh, no. Um, I'm mortified, <laughs> but I haven't really been watching the last couple of seasons. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, and I respect that. You're not alone. I don't know what's happened to me. I used to be ride or die. It was like the highlight of my week. And I just like, I, I just like kind of have burned myself out. Um, and I also think I'm just like the fact that no one ever ends up together is grating on me. Yeah, I actually didn't used to bother me as much, but I feel like it's starting to undermine the concept a little bit (laughs) that they're deluging us with so many seasons that end catastrophically. Totally. And that's why, like, I still am going to watch Paradise because I feel like actual couples come out of Paradise Mm. and it's, like, fun and interesting and, like, the editing is still, like, silly. and But just, like, Bachelor and Bachelorette, I just, like, it hasn't. It hasn't hooked me lately, and I and I feel like I've lost um, a part of myself, and that like I'm not as in the know anymore, and I've yeah. lost my community. <laughs> <laughs> Bachelor Nation is a, uh, you know, a real. There are other communities. Yeah, a community full of of joy and also pain. Yeah. So although you know, Gabby and Rachel set sail. This July, maybe this will be, maybe you'll come back fresh after a nice long break. And That's yeah, true. I personally feel reinvigorated by the two of them. I was, it's, there definitely has been some exhaustion, but I'm glad they're giving us a break and an opportunity to really consider what we're missing. Yeah. And that's all the gossip we could round up this week. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about The Courtship Episode 6. Can you keep up? I like love it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life. And I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and, like, take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. 
Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love Article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from Article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an Article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first Article piece of furniture recently our new couch and my husband and I are both constantly just like how did we live before this couch this is such an improvement over what we had before it's so comfortable it just seems to get more comfortable every day I mean it's the couch you dream of and the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we're back. And it is time to talk about, I think, the spiciest episode of The Courtship. The most erotic, (laughs) the most sensual, the most nude. I have a bunch of questions about just the basic concept of this show. Fair. (laughs) Let's let's hear let's hear like your biggest question about the concept of the show. Why does it exist? Oh, um, because it's the most romantic era in history. Bridgerton. The short answer (laughs) is Bridgerton. Bridgerton. That's what I thought. And then on a normal episode, are her parents there as well? Like, why are their friends Mm -hmm. there? Like, what is the conceit of this show? Yeah, so she has a court, like most Regency-era women did. Okay. Um, It's uh, just a personal court of family and friends who are there to accompany you on your journey to find a husband. So her parents are usually there. Her sister is usually there. And her best friend, Ms. Cleary, is also a fixture. And then her parents, I guess, left so that she could have she sex. Could, she could have sex. Like, <laughs> that's, like, mainly was my takeaway from this past couple episodes. Um, 
And they don't waste any time. I mean, Mr. Chapman, uh, who has been kind of a dark horse, he's been there, there's an attraction, but hasn't really had much time. He's had he's enough of that. He's ready to make up. He's ready to break out of the pack and make a run for the leading pole or whatever you would say. And so he sneaks in in, in a footman's livery with <laughs> breakfast in bed for Ms. Remy one morning. I think this was a great move. Yeah. It was it was smart. So before that, he wasn't the clear front runner? No. No. Oh, interesting. So I'm coming in blind. I'm just right. watching. Yeah. No, this I'm is good. I like I like this one. energy. So I you, thought he was the clear front runner, but he wasn't. No. It's a front no, runner this was move, his turn. right? Wow. It takes the confidence of a front runner mm. usually. It takes like a Courtney Robertson to be like, I'm going to sneak in so that we can hook up. But he was just like, I'm tall. I live in a van. I used to play football. Like, what gal wouldn't want me to put on a footman's livery and sneak into her room at 7 a.m. while she's gossiping with her best friend? <laughs> And he's right. It really works. Uh, Ms. Cleary should leave or ring for a maid to immediately summon an appropriate chaperone because they're both unmarried. Neither of them can chaperone. Um, but instead, she oh, leaves sorry. so they can hook up. That's a whole rule of the show? It's a rule of the Regency. Like, a, a, a single, um, an unmarried lady can never be alone with a gentleman. She has to have a married woman or a man with her to chaperone at all times. Okay. But then at the total... Or else she'll be ruined. She'll be okay. ruined. Okay, no, right, right, right. D- definitely, definitely. Right. So as <laughs> I mean. of now, Ms. Clear, Ms., <laughs> Ms. Remy is officially ruined. And no one seems to care. Like, what are the stakes here? You know, like, we're supposed <laughs> to be doing the Regency... No, this is why I love this show, because it truly is just like <laughs> The Bachelor, but if they were wearing Regency outfits. Yeah. <laughs> I, it seems like it to me personally. Yeah. yeah. That, is, that is what it is. <laughs> they literally were it. like, Bridgerton was very popular. How do we milk it? <laughs> do that. <laughs> they have to have Ms. Remy, because they spent the whole time being like, Dating using Regency rules and customs is the only real way to find love, like, and the modern world doesn't allow for this. And so when they completely toss out the whole rule book here, they have to have Ms. Remy sit down and be like, I know this wouldn't be allowed in the Regency, but I'm a modern woman. So I <laughs> I actually am going to not do the Regency thing. I'm just going to have sex with the hot guy that I want to sleep with now. And I respect that. I do too. I also love the that they had... <laughs> I love that they had to, like, find a reason that they were going to have just, like, a, a big party where they got really wasted. And naked. And naked. They were like, okay, what's the justification? A bacchanal, yeah. obviously. A bacchanal. This is something they will tell you, like, to the death. This show is rigidly based on Jane Austen. A bacchanal has never appeared in any Jane Austen novel that I've ever read. <laughs> and I don't think that it was the most standard event. Um, But it does get them all stripped down and pouring wine into each other's mouths. And that's what reality TV demands, I would say. Also, like, there's a reason they didn't have naked parties in the Regency, and it's because it's cold in England, and they are all 
freezing in their yeah. little costumes. They, this looked so uncomfortable. I was like, no wonder they're downing champagne. It's the only way to, like, feel any warmer. Yeah. Like, she, Miss Remy is out here, like, in a bathing suit with a, a gauzy sheet draped over her. And yeah. it's probably 50 degrees and windy. <laughs> that is miserable. I have a question. Are any of the contestants, do they ever flirt with her best friend? You know what? That is a great question. You should watch, is it episode three? Episode three. Yes. There was a a chiseled jaw, blonde-haired suitor named Mr. Safa who made a strong play for Ms. Cleary, and it did not go well for him at all. It got um, him ousted. Yeah, because yeah, Miss Cleary was like, Miss Cleary was like Mr. Safa hit on me, and he said he's not really into you, so <gasps> you should probably send him home. And Miss Remy was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so um, I think that that will not happen again. Yeah, sent a strong message. I wonder though, what if the best friend falls in love with one of the contestants? See, I think they should have leaned more heavily into this for the drama, but I do also think that they're genuinely very good friends. And we talked to Nicole on the pod, and she was very much like, that is a conversation that I explicitly had with Tessa before she agreed to do this. Like, they were all very clear that, like, there is a mission. And that mission is to find yeah. Nicole love mm. and no Do one else. I think that production should have tried to ruin their friendship for the drama? Yes, but they didn't. <laughs> and I I choose to admire the strength of their friendship. Um, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, but it it is interesting. It creates this this weird situation where like they get rid of the married chaperones, which are Ms. Remy's siblings, Mrs. Baker and Mr. Dom who um, had figured more prominently in last week's episode, they're, like, sent off to play lawn bowls. And it's, like, single ladies only at the Bacchanal. And it's, like, but, like, Miss Cleary isn't, like, is basically a chaperone. Like, she's not there to flirt with any of the guys. So it's almost, like, why does she need to be there for this? If I were her, I'd almost rather be playing lawn bowls and not have to (laughs) be half naked. Um, But it's the two of them and the eight final men who are in their costumes, drinking wine. And basically, the party is lots of drinking the wine, dancing up on each other. They're at a, they're at one of these follies, these, like, faux ruins, uh, like, Greek ruins on the estate. And just, like, putting on a music video, basically. It's like a toga party music video. Oh, yeah, there's some nice, like, slow motion. Slow-mo grinding. Shots of them, like, yeah, grinding and, like, tossing champagne in the air. Yeah, pouring a glass of wine into someone else's mouth. Bacchanal, boys, bacchanal. I think it was smart that they went with white wine with all that white fabric around. Great call. Yeah. Yeah, can we just briefly say, like, what do the guys think Bacchanal means? Because for the rest of the episode, they just greet each other by being like, Bacchanal... Bacchanal I mean, boys. we do see one of them say, like, a Bacchanal, that's a bachelor party. So I don't think they really are aware of what <laughs> Bacchanal means. Do they but think they it's, know just, it's fun? It's like a greeting, and it's, it's also just a, a go- party. It's just a good old time. Something I'm confused about is it's clearly a ripoff of Bridgerton, but then the narration is a male's voice instead of a female's voice. But it's like that same, like, sort of, like, dry wit, right? 
I know, but I wanted to, if you're going to just copy Bridgerton <laughs> so directly. Like hire a Julie Andrews knockoff, is yes. what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Make it sound Fair. like Bridgerton. I feel like that's them, like, threading the needle between uh, Bridgerton and also Austin, which is, of course, famously, they were written by women, uh, by a woman. Um and The Bachelor, which is famously hosted by white dudes with square heads. So they're like, what we need is like a white dude with a square head. And a British accent. And a British mm-hmm. accent. Mm-hmm. And giving some sort of snarky commentary, a la Lady Whistledown. And we'll have that perfect alchemy. Should we discuss the poetry? Oh, God. I refuse to write any of the poetry down. <laughs> I thought about it. And I was like, this, none of this deserves to be written down even in this Google Doc. <laughs> the men have to prepare I will poetry not publish these words and recite love poems to Ms. Remy on the steps of the folly. If you were in this scenario, would you go for sincere or would you go for humor? I would go for humor for sure. Oh yeah, same. You have to, right? Most you of them to. don't. <laughs> no, they really go like very earnest. One of them's like, "Will we find love in this vast expanse?" Under the gaze of true romance. <laughs> She's like, wow. So Honestly, deep. ambitious to rhyme expanse and romance instead of like love and dove. Uh, I think that's artistry. The the most like interesting one I remember that was earnest was Mr. Chapman's because he d- does a whole thing about van life in his poem. He's like... I'm going to learn to drive with my left hand so my right hand can hold yours in mine or something. <laughs> and she's like, I'm like, get, I'm like getting oh, physically Lincoln. uncomfortable yeah. as you're even just alluding to it. He's really selling her on van life. He's like, is, so I'm going to hold your hand. He lives in a van? He yeah. lives in a van. He's one of those. And he, is he like constantly moved throughout the country or he's mm-hmm. in a van in one place? Moves through the country. He's He's like... In a Honda Odyssey, he's driving to different... He's like that guy who's posting Instagrams of a sunset with, like, you know, a self-deprecating little caption that's just, like, you know, stopping for dinner. And... <laughs> How is that self-deprecating? Just, I don't know. Just, like, it's not self-deprecating. It's I'm just, like, I'm stopping for uh, dinner, but I'm key. getting something I don't like. <laughs> the, the point is... The point is downplaying, like, the glamour of the lifestyle in a way that actually plays up the glamour of the Mm -hmm. lifestyle. He's like, isn't it incredible that I'm just, like, looking at out at this great country from my Honda Odyssey? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) This contextualizes so much of what I saw happen. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so uh, that's that's Mr. Chapman. Mr. Mumbrae, I think, is the only one who goes really funny or, like, tries to go really funny. And he seemed embarrassed, but I was like, no, you did the correct thing here. But it's like showing up to a wedding that you think is, like, cocktail attire, but is it is, in fact, extreme black tie. Right, like, you're like, oh, yeah. I thought it was cocktail attire, so I'm wearing, like, a blazer and a tie, and, like, every other guy decided to wear a tuxedo, so now I look underdressed and I'm embarrassed, even though I did the right thing for the occasion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Mr. Mumbre. Um, he, his poem includes him saying that he might look like kind of a tit, by reciting poetry, which is very British, which he should lean into. I that was into more. it. 
Um, and so after the Bacchanal wraps up, Ms. Remy invites Mr. Chapman back to her room for some more private time, and he spends the night. There was, like, no lead up to this. It just kind of happened. I felt like they really downplayed this. I also found it very confusing that she was shocked when people found out he'd been missing. But like, they're all just staying in a house together. Right. Like, yeah. They do live they together. They live together. How would they not notice that he wasn't there? I wonder yeah. if she thought that, I don't know, that like maybe Mr. Chapman was going around like taught, like telling everyone about the night. But obviously in reality, what happened is just, they were like, we very much noticed that you weren't in your room where you normally sleep. Like, where were you? Yeah, it's very hard for him to come back after a full night away and play off questions like, where were you all night? Were you with Ms. Remy? Please and tell us. it's not us. like he went into detail. He wasn't no. like, and we boned and it ruled. But, you know, the men make their own You say something like, their oh, own informed assumptions. Don't, don't kiss and tell, and everyone knows exactly what, um, everyone decides exactly what has happened. And I think you uh, yeah. bring up such a great point of like, what is the purpose of doing love and romance this way? If you're just going to then like break these rules and like, you know, like I'm all for do whatever you want, but it is interesting to like take on this experiment and then be like, my parents are away. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never find out. I mean, it is sort of funny because I mean, and this is, I read a lot of Regency romance. There's a lot of illicit sex in them. It doesn't always happen after the wedding. But, like, part of what makes it sexy is that it's so forbidden. And people, like, you really can't have anyone find out. Like, that would be a huge problem. So it's, like, sneaking around. It's, like, the fear. Like, will we be caught? Like, we're in a cupboard and, like, at a ball. And, like, what if someone opens the cupboard to get (laughs) a blanket, you know? Okay, I would really love... if they had spent the night in a cupboard. Right. If they had had to, like, sneak away to a cupboard in the middle of the Bacchanal, like, this would have been a whole different, a much, like, more spicy and dramatic interlude. And instead, it's just, like, a sleepover, and everyone has to be cool about it afterwards. And that's just, like, it takes away the whole frisson of, like, the forbidden sex of the time, um, in my opinion. <laughs> um, so... After Mr. After Mr. Chapman returns the next morning, they receive an invitation for a date, the date of the week, and it goes to Mr. Judge, who is a relative Another newcomer. Another dark horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is really rising through the ranks quickly, just using his small-town charms and successful career as a wrestling coach to yeah. charm Ms. Remy. Yeah, he is. Uh, he came in just a couple episodes ago. They sent in a couple new suitors, and he just like he's like fit right in. He's defied the odds by really making such an impression right away. And so he dons a sort of hunter green great coat with many capes, which um, give him, of course, that classic Bridgerton look that we all love. And he offers her, I think, a giant pink peony, which is, I mean. Yes. A Good dream. move. I do love a peony. Who doesn't? They're beautiful flowers. Ugh. She is wearing a bright chartreuse pelisse 
which is... I'm impressed that you knew the word police. Well, this was actually... I, I'm ashamed that I've waited so long in my life to do this, but I started to have, as I was watching this, this thought of, like, I don't know what words to use for these garments, but I've read a million Austin novels where they use a bunch of words for garments that I never bothered to figure out what they were. And so, of course, I Google police, and that's exactly what it was this whole time. It's sort of like a tailored long coat. And the color, again... Did they know how to make that color in the Regency time? It looks very chemical. It's so, so, so green. This uh, design team is not afraid of a bold shade of any color, especially a pink or a green. So I had a lot of fun looking into the fashion for this scene. But what what they're really doing on this date is art in a garden. She is drawing a portrait of him on an easel. Apparently... Ms. Remy used to do architecture. She's like in her mid-20s and she has had several more career paths than I have. And they're all more impressive than my single career I was going to say, path. they all require like a lot of very specific skills. I'm yeah. very impressed. Me too. Um, although I will say her portrait of Mr. Judge is a little rough. So that's... She she owns that. Yes, she, she knows. I mean, if I was tasked with painting an accurate portrait of someone on television, like, that's a a real nightmare. Mm -hmm. I probably would have just, like, gone with a stick figure (laughs) and then painted, like, flowers around them or something. Because I I feel confident that I could paint some petals, a few stems, some leaves. Maybe I've just been watching too many Netflix-style reality dating shows. But whenever they usually have an art date at the end, they turn around their self-portrait and it's like a smiley face. And then there's like a surfboard next to it and like a rocket ship and like a dolphin. And they're like, this represents me. So I was are almost you, expecting are you thinking something more too like hot that. to handle. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, the best art that I see these days. Um, and after they do art, they have a little picnic in the garden. Um, and Mr. Judge is able to confide a little more in Ms. Remy about his childhood, which sounded really rough. He had two older and two younger siblings. He was the middle of five. They all had different fathers. His mother was a single mother, and under, obviously, a a lot of stress, um, and he says that that stress led her to drugs and that caused more instability in the home and that he ultimately left um, when he was just like an adolescent, like very young. And he talked about how he's like slowly like lost a lot of the relationships that he has had with his different nuclear family members and, and how difficult that's been. Yeah, it sounded very rough. And Ms. Remy, as usual, does a really great job of really making him feel heard and seen. And she's very empathetic and she gives him a hug, and the tone of this show is just so odd because it vacillates so intensely from, like, either totally placid, surface-level, like, pretty costumes and a British man making jokes in, you know, like, right to, like, a young man speaking extremely earnestly about, like, a really difficult childhood trauma. and. It makes it difficult to talk about. I'm like, I don't even know what to say. 
But I do really like her a lot. Like she, she's great. She's so wonderful and like the backbone of the show. And like I, like how did they find her? Who is she? Well, I think you know she. I mean, she's. Uh, I don't know exactly how they found her, but she, um, she, she works in she's a soft, um, software. She's a soft, yeah. software engineer. Yeah. Um, and she uh, was almost going to be on The Bachelor on Matt James' season. Yeah, and she then was. It fell through. Um, yeah, she was about to be on Matt James. So she season. does have something of like a presence, I think, in the reality romance casting space. Mm. Um, yeah, I wonder if like it's kind of a lot of the same people who kind of rotate between these shows, and she might have just been sort of on someone's radar already, and right. then they reached out to her about this. But she is so good. She carries the show. She's has a lot of charisma. She's really adorable. She like. She just does a, a really, really good job. And I want I want her to find love. Who do you think she should end up with? Do you have front runners? Well, so when we had her on the show uh, the other week, she said there was a Mr. Darcy <gasps> and there was also Mr. Wickham. And so I don't understand enough to know what that means. So the Mr. Darcy, of course, is the end game. The end game. Mr. Wickham is like a charming suitor who turns out to be no good. Uh oh. And so I'm sort of torn about Mr. Chapman, um, but... I think he's definitely one of those two, though. I think he's probably one of those two. I think that um, I like Mr. Judge, I like Mr. Cones for her, and I like Mr. Holland. I think those are my Yeah, my I'd say three. Mr. Holland, Mr. Chapman, and Mr. Judge. yeah. I think Mr. Cones is more is more of a friend vibe. Ultimately. I think you're probably right. And you would be happy with her to end up with any of those three? Yeah. They all seem like good dudes. Love it. Yeah. I mean, what do I know? Yeah, what, <laughs> we, 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 we've watched the whole season and we've spent like five minutes combined with each of these guys. Because the episodes <laughs> are, are so short. I don't know anything about them. <laughs> um, but this date ends very uh, romantically, of course, with Mr. Judge challenging her to a wrestling match. Which she wins, even though he's a wrestling coach. So you really have to question, like, is he is he good at his job? You know, she really gets the jump on him and takes him down. And they end up rolling around in the grass, kissing passionately. Very bodice ripper, this scene. Very, very Bridgerton. Very, mm. they're about to get caught by her brother in the garden, and then they have to get married. I'm just glad that Ms. <laughs> Remy is finally getting some. I think, you know... It- the first handful of episodes, she got just like a few light makeouts, and yeah, because it's the I Regency, Emma. We're yeah, in- what, uh, we're <laughs> we're clearly throwing that away. So, uh, so it's time for the farewell ball. It's always like I feel like the episode action has barely begun, and they're like, and now eliminations, um, and we're already there. So, you have got to. You've got to walk me through what is this farewell dance thing and how does that work? Because I think it was a different this week than it's normal. It's unhinged. It's a little different this week because someone volunteers. But normally what happens is, and this is sort of Regency derived in certain details, but this is not obviously how people broke up in the Regency. Um, but basically, Ms. Remy has a dance card and a dance card was how women would keep track of who they were, um, who they had agreed to have different dances with throughout the course of a ball. But on her dance card are the names of the men who are up for elimination. 
<gasps> and the number of dances varies. Um, this week, I think there are only three. In the past, there's been like as many as five or six. And then she sends home maybe half of that group. And so while they dance, she's sort of giving feedback to the guys, and then they're making their case. And then she decides whether they exit after the dance or they go up to the balcony. I kind of love this. I love, like, <laughs> giving a little extra moment at the end to sort of, like, check it. Like, if you're on the fence about somebody and to, like, get their side of the story, to tell them what your concerns are, have them see how they receive them, and then decide. I'm into it. It is I. It is so such a deranged way to do eliminations. Like, she's got uh, Yeah, better. I'm obsessed with it. It's very hard. Like, it so demands so much of her, especially, and also of the guys, because those dances aren't easy. No, how do they know how to do that? The coordination is what I find most impressive. I'm like, they learn this choreography, and then they have to either respond or deliver some constructive feedback <laughs> while doing it. And, like— I'm like, I think, I don't know, all meetings with your boss should be done over a Regency-era dance. (laughs) Where you're just like, "Um, Bill, could you come into my office for a second? Yeah, we'll be doing the quadrille, uh, and we'll be having your mid-year review. You're pressing your palms together and moving in a slow circle. And he's saying, like, you really have to focus more on hitting your OKRs and not get distracted by being too perfect on these smaller details. And you're like, yes, yes, of course. Little hop, little hop. Like, I will focus on that next quarter. (laughs) Um, And... She's got, like, the first few episodes, it was, like, everyone was panting, trying to keep up with the dances while also talking, and it's gotten a little smoother, but um, this this was an exciting dance card because, of course, Captain Kim volunteers to be on it this week, and it turns out he would have been on the dance card anyway, along with Mr. Mumbre and Mr. Bokikio. Now, I want to ask you, Allison... Do you think that Mr. Bokikio seems like a major player at this point? Oh, my God. Which one is that? Okay. (laughs) He's the one with the strong Staten Island accent. (laughs) So she basically, is he the one where she was like, you need to put in more of an effort to talk to me? Yes. That's usually what she says, to be honest. That's usually most of the feedback. But yes, uh, that that is the case. Mr. Bokikio has been the strong front runner throughout the season. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, I got the sense that she liked him but felt like he wasn't trying enough, um, which is uh, something that interestingly happens in these shows. And I actually think that it's an, it, it, it uproots the power dynamic, right? Because yep. when you have this show where it's one person who gets to pick between a bunch of people, you f- clearly feel like you're in the position of power. But as soon as somebody isn't paying enough attention to you, the power dynamic, you know, like it's a way to kind of get the lead to like be more interested in you than maybe they would be in other situations. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and that's something that he has been, I think, perhaps consciously deploying. Like he has really? had conversations with her where he said like, you know, I don't know, like I could fall in love with you, but I need to see that you're really in this with me because – this is also about me. And, like, you know, just trying to subtly shift the center of the experience to, like, him and whether she's impressing him enough. It's it's interesting. He's sort of faded into the background this episode, and so she's definitely responding to that. 
And she's like, I felt like you didn't make an effort this week. And he's like, yeah, I'll definitely try harder to make memories with you going forward. And she says, I want to know you're going to fight for me. And he says, fair enough. Meet me halfway. I hated this. Yeah, and he says, meet me halfway. He sucks. Yeah. Uh, also, he said it like he like whispered it to her, right? Yeah. You think you're going to hear something romantic whispered in your ear. And he's like, you need to, to pull your fucking weight in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is allowed to stay despite being a total brat during this. I thought his attitude was not impressing me. <laughs> I couldn't and, tell if he was just a shy person. And if he's no. shy, then that recontextualizes it. But if he's not, then yeah, that's, yeah. And, and on a previous dance card, he like took a very different approach and basically kissed her and like turned it into a whole like romantic scene. Mm-hmm. And so it was striking to see him take such a different approach this time. Well, maybe he knows that, maybe he knows that she spent the night with another guy and that's changed his feelings and a bit. He's soured. Yeah, he wouldn't be the only one mm-hmm. um, because Captain Kim tells her during their dance that he heard about what happened and he can't do this anymore. And he's like, I have feelings for you. I want the best for you, but I can't stay. And like, you know, don't apologize for enjoying your journey. And I hope you find love. But like, I'm just too broken because of how my ex-girlfriend, you know, got back with her ex while I was in boot camp and didn't tell me. And I hated this. Nicole gives him his bracelet back. He's the only one who leaves. Mr. Mumbrai also stays. Yes, thoughts thoughts on Captain Kim bringing this up during their farewell dance. I hated it. <laughs> I just hated it. It's like you, I don't know. Yeah. He I think he thought he was not shaming her. But so why but, bring it up? Right. Right. I think what he could have said is like emotions are getting too intense. This just isn't the right atmosphere for me and like I need to go home. Instead he was like I know that you fucked someone. Yeah. And therefore, I must leave because, like, you've been sullied. And, like, my fragile ego can't handle you being sexually intimate with someone else. Like, no need. Like, I don't know. I hated it. And I thought that Mr. Chapman was actually fully correct in his assessment of things and, like, right to call him out. I was not impressed with with Captain Kim. Yeah. I mean— She's very emotional after this. This is when she's like, how did he find out? And yeah, I was like, obviously because he was gone all night and they all <laughs> live together. But um, the more pertinent question is, why is he saying this shit to you in front of everyone when yeah. he could just say, like, I can't handle this process anymore. Like, I need to remove myself. I wish you the best. No, you're making good points. I think when I first saw it, I I actually sort of appreciated the way that he framed it, that it wasn't that, oh, you're not allowed to be intimate with other people, but I know myself well enough to know that that's not a safe environment for me to be in because of my history. I feel like he should have said that. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess like because I'm so used to reality TV and I'm so used to people (laughs) like bringing up the, you know, the elephant in the room that like. I was like, oh, of course it's going to come up that she was with this other guy. Um, and I thought that the way that he sort of framed it was interesting and and more like taking on self-ownership versus like condemning her actions. And I think that's so reasonable, right? Like there are people who can casually date 
and there are people who can't <laughs> or like, yeah. you know, like there are people who can, as they're getting to know someone, it's okay if they're part, if that person is sleeping with other people and there are people who know themselves and they're like, I actually can't do that. And so for a show like this, that doesn't have a fantasy sweets element, right? Where like maybe you're going into it thinking that that won't be on the table because it's a Regency show and then for it to be suddenly on the table and then to say, oh, you know what? This isn't sitting right with me. This I know myself and I can't handle this kind of dynamic. Um, I kind of thought was was well done, but I also think that like you're bringing up the excellent point of like he didn't need to acknowledge that that was what it was. He didn't need to yeah. pinpoint that. Like, I just think they didn't even have enough of a conversation where he did, like I think to the camera, he did properly own that this was about him and not actually like a, necessarily a moral judgment on her. But the way he presented it to her was like, I know what you did and I yeah. need to go. Yeah, and like, I, was, was I think harsh. that that's what got me. Because I I agreed. I appreciated that like when she was like, I'm sorry. He was like, don't apologize for enjoying your journey. Like he's definitely yeah. trying to. But when you broach the conversation by being like, I heard what happened last night and I can't do this anymore. That's almost like starting the conversation by like, with a little bit of shock and awe, like, Mm -hmm. you fucked up and, like, I know about it. And then you get to kind of, like, dial it back and be like, but, I mean, it's okay. Like, it's not your fault. Like, it's okay. But you've already created the, like, dramatic effect of, like, you've been caught that you started with. And so, like, the rest all just feels um, like a way to seem like a good guy to me. Like, I really felt like he wanted to have it both ways. Like, he kind of wanted to shame her and then he was like, but that's shitty behavior. So I'm also going to be like, but it's not your fault. It, that's my shit. Because he's also done this before. Like, in past episodes, he'll be like, seeing you kiss other guys was really hard to watch. But that's because of me and my personal history. And, like, I own that. And I'm like, you can't keep being, like, <laughs> you know, watching you or hearing about you with another guy, like, sucked and hurt me. But that's not your fault. It's like, okay, so stop talking to me about it like stop making me feel bad about it I don't know he definitely needed to leave it was time yeah Yeah. I agree and Mr. Chapman does confront Captain Kim before he leaves and basically is like you made a girl cry and you didn't need to bring it up and try to make her feel bad and Captain Kim is like this is your fault you didn't have to be with her last night and so I guess it's okay to slut shame a man now, uh, pff, Captain Kim. He's also like, you did this to her, and now you put her in a position to be shamed by me. Like, I yeah. also didn't understand that. That's, like, again, where I was getting a little bit of that sense. It's like, he does kind of want to shame her, but he also was like— He knows it's wrong, but mm-hmm. I think his sensibilities are still sort of, like, anchored in yes. a little bit of— desire to slut shame like he knows it's not a good instinct and he doesn't want to make her feel bad but he's like but like she she has been sullied (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm, yeah i am getting that sense it's just like he knows yeah he knows not to slut shame he says you're hiding this from her family which also like what he really really. captain kim is actually obsessed with the framework he really thought that this show was going to be much like i I did i think very true to history uh rendition of how courtship actually worked in the Regency era. And it's been very difficult. And, yeah. You know, he, like the rest of us, us were yeah. misled. And 
Yeah, I think it was time for him to exit. I just, I don't want. <laughs> but he's Ms. actually Remy to not feel gone bad. yet. We end on a cliffhanger with Captain Kim being like, "You created this situation. You're hiding this from her family. What you gonna do, bro? Huh?" And then you know we we have to wait until next week to find out what is Mr. Chapman gonna do, bro? You know, and how is Captain Kim gonna bring this to its conclusion? And that brings us to the end of this episode of The Courtship. I think we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about a very different show, Temptation Island. Can you keep up? I like I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with factor, especially because they have so many meal options like protein plus, keto, vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or... Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well balanced. I feel full after and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 and use code LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI 50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. 
Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash L-T-S-I. And we are back. And we are really taking a sharp turn from a show in which, like, just the idea of two people spending the night in a bed together forces someone to leave the show to a show that is, like, predicated on ass-painting parties (laughs) and, like— everyone hooking up with each other. I will say there were some common themes. Both episodes this week had toga parties. Both episodes. if you will. (laughs) Bacchanals. And both episodes had narratively meaningful overnight trysts. So in a way, it's just the same. They're one and the same. Love is always the same in any century. (laughs) And we actually come in to Temptation Island often at a very emotional time because they like to end at bonfire night and then come in as everyone's filing back into their villas, shaken to the core by having just seen their partner, like, have sex with someone else. (laughs) And that's where we're at. Uh, At the end of last week's episode, Hanya saw his partner, Ash, like, literally having sex with one of the guys. Like, they literally just show the video. I still can't get over that. Um, And so he's in tears. Uh, Edgar is also in tears. I loved the contrast here because we saw all of the men return just, like, (laughs) stricken. And the women are like, wow, I feel free. Yeah. (laughs) The men are all, like, completely heartbroken. And the women are just like, Finally, confirmation that my boyfriend sucks and is garbage (laughs) and I can move on. Can I ask some questions I should know the answer to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why do people go on this show? Like, is it? (laughs) Oh, that's my main question. I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. That's been a frequent uh, topic of conversation. I think that one thing we see with these couples is that for a lot of the women especially, it is a sense that their partner can't be trusted And so they kind of want to be able to watch them cheat. Yeah, they're like, I need surveillance and therefore uh, the hard evidence that my partner is the piece of shit I suspect that they might be. And then they also get to wander and and almost in retaliation. So you're not going in hoping that, like, you're not going in with like, okay, now our relationship is open. You can go do whatever you want. Like, it is cheating if they do anything with I each, think each couple. I think each couple sets their own boundaries. So they're, yeah. they are different. Like, I know that Jillian and Edgar were allowed to make out with people. Got but, it. like, that doesn't mean that the, that, that the emotional reaction that you have goes along with the boundary that you set. Like, Edgar sees Jillian make out with a guy, and he feels completely betrayed, even though they agreed that that was okay. Because... He wants to be with someone. And I think this is part of it, that they, like, create a situation where it's, like, it's okay if you hook up with someone else, but what they really want is for their partner to not want to be with anyone else and to be able to be strengthened by the knowledge that, like, their partner was tempted and they still chose to be true. And I really think that's a lot of it. Like, I think they're, like, hoping that they'll see a stronger side of their partner than what they fear is there. And instead, they typically don't see a very good side of their partner. Or, like, some of them, I think, also just want to maybe break up or go on a break, but they're afraid because Mm. they're codependent. (laughs) And so they've set up a controlled period of time and space where they can 
both get the experience of being single. And then at the end, it's not like, and now we leave engaged. It's just, and now we leave as a couple as we entered. If if we want, like they can basically do whatever they want at the end. They can propose if they want. They can leave together. They can, they break, can break up. up. They can they choose can one of the singles yeah. to leave with okay. instead. And who are these singles? Why are they there? Who, how'd they find these people? I don't know. It must be hard to cast for now, I feel like, because if you want to go on a dating show, you can go on plenty of dating shows where you're not competing with 11 other women for four, for men, four who men who partners. already have partners. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, doesn't seem like an appealing prospect. It's also fascinating because you end up seeing women like Karina who are just like, well, I guess I'm here to selflessly do emotional labor for men who have refused to go to therapy. Yeah. I'm here to nurse them and their psyches back to health. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting... Or then there are people like Trace who are just like, I refuse to acknowledge that these men came here in relationships. The other women do not exist. And that is my right. Um, Yeah, so they just had a bonfire actually where um, a lot of bombshells were dropped. um, And... Edgar is now basically like, I'm done with Jillian. He's like the the soft, sensitive romantic of the men. He's like, I want to build a future with Jillian. He's 23 and she's 21. Just going to note that. He wants to write love poetry for his partner. He's just very like <sighs> soft. And this now he's seen really... her make out with Tommy, a hot firefighter. And he's like, I don't I'm know who done. that person She's is. betrayed me. I don't even know her. I wish her the best life. Like, she is dead to me, basically. I don't know. Yeah. This week really put me off both Edgar and LaSalle's. I was like, maybe yeah. I hate all these men. Maybe I hate them all. <laughs> Some relevant context also for Jillian is that he has cheated on Jillian in the past. What? Not yeah. on the show, before they came on the show. Incredible. Um, yeah. Well, I sometimes think when you've done something bad, then you're so judgmental of other people that do that bad thing, right? Yeah, I think that he really is like, yeah, I fucked up, but it's it's over, and now we have to be completely solid and moved on. Like, you know, and have a great love story and never deviate from that. Cause like I learned my lesson and right, I've decided that this is over and we should all be healed and it's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like I did what I did, but how dare yeah. you? You're right. So and how Hanya- dare you not heal on my timeline? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And then do the couples get to talk to each other throughout no. this process? What they no. see of each other is just those bonfire night videos. They don't get to talk to each other and they don't see anything else that's happening. It's just what the producers like decide they should see from the period of time since the last bonfire. Oh, because they kept being like, she lied to me. She said that nothing had happened. So it made it seem like they had been talking to each other. But they Again, this is been. why I'm kind of out on Edgar because that didn't happen. Well, yeah, I think that Edgar... For example, they will, like, kind of lean really heavily on, like, what they said the last time they saw each other. So, like, Jillian got really emotional when they parted ways to do this and was like, I don't have a connection. I won't have a connection with any of the guys like I have with you. I don't want to lose you. Like, you're the only thing that matters to me. So, like, they will kind of, like, reach back and be like, and then they made out with someone else. So, Mm. I guess they, I don't know. It's, they're all on their own, like, sort of separate emotional journey, which is interesting to watch these, like, parallel things unfold where, like, one of them will be like, well, he doesn't give a fuck about me, so I'm going to do whatever I want. And meanwhile, the guy's over there being like, I want to marry her. And, like, sobbing. 
<laughs> There's no <laughs> communication of, of where the other person's at. So, and speaking of which, Hanya is like having a full breakdown because he has like decided that he doesn't actually want to do this anymore, that he definitely wants to marry Ash, the person he came in with. And Ash is like, Hanya has been badgering me for the longest time to have an open relationship. And I'm sure Hanya is like doing whatever Hanya wants as Hanya does. And I finally get to like explore what I want. And so they are going in a totally different direction from Hanya during this time. Hanya's like weeping after this bonfire night. He's like, Fortunately, there are all these hot women in crop tops to comfort me, but, like, it's not even cutting it anymore. I need to I be I really alone. just got to, like, give it up to Karina, <laughs> the therapist, who is just, do- again, doing the fucking work. <laughs> Out yeah. here being like, Hanya, you're upset that Ash had sex with someone else. What about all the times you did that? I loved the, that. The many times. How— yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also Ash isn't aware of how you feel because you have not spoken to them. So, yeah, why don't you just think about that? And uh, <laughs> we'll come in for our next session tomorrow <laughs> during the date. Yeah, she's like, what are you going to do next time you have these feelings, Hanya? Um, and I will say to Hanya's credit, which I don't give him much of, what Ash actually saw of Hanya at this past bonfire night was Hanya admitting that he had repeatedly throughout their relationship cheated on Ash and lied about it. And I will say that to his credit, he's like, I would be a hypocrite to be mad at Ash for doing this yeah, because I have been so unfaithful and so uh, shady about it. It's incredible because Hanya just started so low for me that like the only, he can only kind of move up. Like he was such a shitty partner. So, mm-hmm. like, any realizations, I'm like, well, I guess that's positive. <laughs> and then some of the other dudes, they have, they a, just, they have further to tanking. fall. Yeah, they have further to fall. The women come back to their villa, as we mentioned, just so beaming. But I do feel like it's pretty forced. I do feel like the yeah. women are doing more performance of cheerfulness, which I think is interesting. Like, the men come back weeping, ready to be embraced by the women in bikinis and the women come back like smiling ear to ear being like, yeah. So Edgar was like saying to the camera, like, leave me the fuck alone and uh, cool. n- never talk to me again. And her, her like in the house boyfriend, Tommy is like, and how did that make you feel? And she's like, um, yeah, I, I don't know. And it's like clear that she's like kind of gutted but she is smiling ear to ear. It's almost like there's a comfort in just like acting cheerful for them or something. That's like, he can't take my smile. <laughs> Although I do think Ash might actually be happy because Ash got confirmation for the first time that Hanya's cheating on them. And now they can just move on. They're like, yeah, Ash I'm done. seems done. Ash yeah. seems yeah. like free. <laughs> Ash is free and relieved, and I, I get it. Like there is, there must just be such a relief at being like I was sort of in the position to wonder if I was crazy, but mm. I wasn't. And fuck you. I continue to love their dynamic with Taylor. 
because Ash is just so romantic and extra about their relationship and will just be like pouring their heart out to Taylor about their heartbreak. And like, you can see every emotion written on their face and the tremor in their voice. And Taylor's just like eating a green apple, like chewing, like, "Uh uh-huh, that's great, babe. Yeah, no, that rocks. Way to go. (laughs) Chomp, chomp, chomp. Like, this is, this is the, like the ultimate himbo. And, like, the ultimate oh, romantic yeah. heroine. Uh, and Ashley, uh, what, she, what Ashley saw was that LaSalle's might not want to leave with her. And she's like, if he wanted to break up, that would be devastating. Ashley is, Ashley's having the roughest go of it. Yeah. Ashley has not really made the leap to thinking of, like, maybe I won't leave here with LaSalle's. Like, Ashley is very much like, maybe we'll get engaged at the end. That would be amazing. I would love that. Um, And seems to think of this mostly as a way for them both to, like, learn how to access different sides of themselves within relationships. Like, oh, he'll learn how to be more, like, romantic and emotionally expressive, and I'll learn how to be more, like, independent and stand on my own two feet. But also we'll stay together forever. And her boyfriend is the one who's having that full-blown relationship with yes. that other girl oh yes yeah. which we will get to that Ooh, in absolutely boy. insane yeah, exchange very painful to have. watch those unfold yes. in parallel um they have their dates for the week um nothing i think the most uh important thing that that happens during this date is that trace kind of straight up asked LaSalle's for the first time how he wants to leave the show. And he says, I think Ashley might need to be single. So I would leave single, but with Ash. Which, to be fair, is a confusing statement. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have to be honest, I almost (laughs) thought that he was saying, like, if I left with Ash, I would leave single. Like, in other words, like, there's no way in which, at the end, Ash and I leave in a relationship. Interesting. But I don't I, think even he thought that. I don't think anyone I don't think he knows, knows what he's saying. Yeah, I think he's confused. And we did watch the, like, YouTube Temptation Island um, after show for this episode. And LaSalle's watching himself is just, like, shaking his head the entire time, being like, what? What was I doing? I don't even know. So I think he's very confused. And I also am getting more and more of a sense that he's like a very intense people pleaser and that he just makes a lot of promises to whoever is right in front of him because yeah. he wants to be a good guy. Yeah. Uh, we we definitely see that play out um, very intensely and very quickly with Trace. Um, During this conversation, though, we also see that, like, Trace is a very real part of this dynamic because he mentions that Ashley is basically still a part of his thinking, like his girlfriend of seven years that he came into this show with. Seven years? Seven years. Seven years. Seven years. Seven years. Yes, I know. I know. It's the worst. Yeah. And she's like, (laughs) Trace hears this and just turns to stone. She, like, basically doesn't talk to him for the rest of the day. Um, And then... She's like, the fact that Ashley is still influencing, yeah, she says, the fact that Ashley is still influencing his thinking on how this is going to end is, quote, very concerning. And that made me think, like, is she delusional as well? Because I think think it would be actually extremely concerning 
even as the next partner, if you were like someone who's dated someone for seven years, just on the flip of a switch is able to be like, I no longer care about their emotional state or giving this relationship the end that it deserves or like taking her into account literally at all. Like, hmm. Yeah, it's very unrealistic. And what did they come into the show like? What kind of dynamic did they have? Were they like, Their feeling was like, we got, we're codependent. We've been together. We met when we were 20. Now we're 27. We don't have like the intensity of like passion and romance in the relationship. And like, we're just, we've sort of absorbed into one another. And we woke up and are like, who who are we as individuals? Got it. Which makes sense. Met, met at 20, been together seven years, like. You can see how that would happen. Yeah. Um, oh, but so that's like even more heartbreaking for him to then have this 180 of like yeah, falling into this serious relationship with this other woman. Yeah. It's almost makes you think that like he genuinely has grown so codependent that he just doesn't know how to exist outside of that kind of dynamic. And he's just like a vine that sees another tree to like mm-hmm. climb up and is like, all righty, <laughs> this is the tree here that's go. here right now. <laughs> And so after the date, she's just, like, in the dumps, sulking all day. Like, her best friend got eliminated last week, her best friend in the house. But it also seems like she's really just, like, doesn't want to talk to anyone from what we see. And LaSalle's is like, I actually don't know what's wrong. She hasn't told me why she's upset. He makes her a plate of pasta to make it up to her and, like, presents it to her as, like, I made you this. And she's like, I'm not hungry, but thanks. She's an extremely passive-aggressive person. Like, that is how she deals with conflict. And, you know, now we've seen it enough to make it clear that it is a pattern and it is kind of her default. And it's one of those things where you're like, okay, you're in your mid-20s and, like, the work you need to do is figure out a more effective way to communicate your displeasure within the context of a relationship because this is this is not effective. And like assuming that he should understand how you're feeling without having to verbalize it. Right. Yeah. Is There's a- actually an incredible scene <laughs> that I want us to talk about at the party that night where LaSalle sits down with Hanya and tells him what he said to Trace about leaving single with Ashley and Hanya's like, what? What does that mean? And LaSalle's is like, oh, yeah, no, I know. It's, it's I just said that because, like, I don't like disappointing people. And, like, I was just thinking about Ashley. And I know I said the wrong thing. But if you love me and you care, you should communicate. And Hanya says, she is communicating. She's like, I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Are you ready for this shit? She needs to know Hanya that. is like, I have become a feminist yeah. and hashtag believe women. Like, Hanya's he's like on the verge. Now. He, yeah. yeah. He's like, women, whatever they do, they're communicating. And that's what we need to learn as men. <laughs> if they're being silent and refusing to talk to you, that is actually communication um, in any context. Uh, <laughs> even when you're in a relationship and you just won't tell your partner why you're upset. <laughs> I uh, I mean, it is communicating. It's communicating that you're upset, but it's not communicating the details of why you're upset yeah, exactly. or how yeah. to resolve anything. <laughs> That's fair. If she just pretended everything was fine, I guess that would somehow be even worse communication. And so I do have to give her props for conveying that she's not happy. Some people can't do that, you know, so she's, she's taken at least the first step. Yeah. And so LaSalle makes one more effort. He sits down. 
with Trace and is like, please talk to me. And she says, I've dedicated all my emotions and time to you since day one. And for you to say the shit you said to me earlier, it's just like not okay. And this triggers a strong protective instinct in LaSalle's that he needs to learn how to um, have a less sensitive trigger on. And he starts to make an emotional declaration (laughs) to Trace. Like, and he just jumps his own levels like 12 times over the course of this speech. He's like, I was protecting Ashley. I'm done with that. Who even cares about Ashley? She's not even a person. She's in the past. (laughs) She needs to be single. I need you as a girlfriend. Not even a a wife. My wife. You're my wife. Without a question. (laughs) And is this the first time he said I love you to her? Yes. Yes. And he said it like, we know. We know we love each other. I love you. This is the most serious relationship I've ever been in. Yes. It's like the way you say it when you like had a big fight with your partner of several years and you're like, look, I love you. (laughs) Right. So I'm going to do everything I can to like work through this with you. And instead it's like literally... They've known each other for a week. He's and just like they've in a never state of sent this to each other. panic and just <laughs> saying every emotionally comforting thing he can think of. But like all of it is unearned. So it's yeah. completely insane. I want to call and it also a couple. very cruel to Ashley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And honestly, Trace is not completely blameless here because she really wants this level of commitment from him and will, you know, do these things like giving him the cold shoulder all day, partly to elicit them from him. But, like, it is cruel to her, too. He can't follow up on this stuff that he's promising. And he's saying, like, not just, like, I love you. He's saying, I can't see my life without you. I'm going to be there for you. Everything you dreamed of, I'm going to be that for you. Oh, no. He barely knows her. thing to promise someone. Like, first of all, that's a, a kind of wild thing to promise anyone <laughs> ever and certainly someone that you really just met. Yeah. You don't even know what they want. Right. I don't even, yeah, you don't even know what they want and they don't even like live in the same city, like just everything about it. Like that is exactly to say something like everything you dreamed of I'm going to be that for you is like a self-denying statement. Like, he's basically saying, like, I'm going to give up my sense of myself. I'm going to give up my plans for myself, my personality, like, the shape I see my life taking to become the thing that fits into the container of your perfect man. And, like, what on earth makes you think that that's a good idea? You came here because you did that with Ashley, and it ruined your relationship. And you're like, Ugh. we we have to be separate because we're too codependent. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make myself into another woman's perfect man. <laughs> I'm telling you, they need to the, put Karina on the payroll, send her over <laughs> to have a session with LaSalle's, dial this all back. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so that's the big, that's the big central uh, shocker of this week, I would say. But the, the other relationships are are also progressing and they are, of course, having... Uh, some some big parties. The women are having a bubbles and bow ties party. The men are having Greek gods and goddesses. In other words, a bacchanal. And at the bacchanal and the bubbles and bow ties party, we do get a twist that I feel like we need to mention because it's a twist, but it doesn't make a huge impression actually, which is that a new single arrives at each villa and each of them is a contestant from a past season. In fact, from season, that, se- from season two. They're both from yeah, season both two. Yeah, both from season two. I feel that because 
we are not, we are like newer to this universe. It really didn't yeah. pack any emotional punch for me. I was like, oh, a, another human. Yeah. This brings me back to like, what are the singles getting out of this? Do they get paid TV. cold hard cash if they make it to the end? They I actually wonder TV. if they got paid. I have no idea, but I kind of doubt it. Definitely I bet TV. it's just like it's just TV. like TV and like, oh, just like the rush of like I can steal someone away from someone else. I guess. Like yeah. that's, that shows that yeah. my prowess and that I'm so desirable because I'm ruining I mean, someone's relationship. I guess. <laughs> Honestly, if you get out of this with a new partner, it's like you know they know how to commit because they had a boyfriend or girlfriend when they got there and now, you know. So well, they're a relationship you know, they person. Know to, they know how to commit until they're tempted by somebody else. <laughs> right. Well, that was just because it was the wrong relationship, right? Right, like, of course. They're not going to do that with you. It's different with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think also just, like, maybe there wasn't time for the new arrivals to really make a dent, but it does seem like only Deke, who arrives at the women's Villa makes much of a real impression on the proceedings because Iris loses her shit. She's a fan. She loves following Deke's posts and videos on social media. (laughs) Parasocial relationship enters the chat. I was like, I need to check this out. Is he like a wannabe comedian? Apparently she does find him funny. I do not find him funny. His type of being funny is to be like, oh, I'm just not going to come in here like little dick energy being like, how are you? How are you? Nice to meet you. He's like, oh, no homo. I don't say hi to other men. Like, yeah. (laughs) He's giving like real weird, like (laughs) terrible teen movies in the 90s level of homophobia vibes. Yeah. And... Yeah, all of his all of his one-liners are like, "I can take all the smoke. I ain't no pussy." And it's like, "Deke, Ugh. it's Ugh. not 1997. Like, calm down." Um, so the guys don't care for him. Taylor makes a completely incomprehensible speech confronting him. Did any of you know? Word salad. Figure out. He said some phrases that were like, "They chopped boys out last week," and like, "We here as family." And then you know he's like, "Them fucking dates though." <laughs> that's all I got I wrote down the only parts that I could decipher as phrases it, it, truly, and they didn't truly come together word salad. no idea I, no idea I think the gist was supposed to be that Deke was disrespecting them and this is when Deke starts talking about little dick energy but I don't understand anything Taylor says and um, meanwhile Tommy and Jillian are still trying to figure out their relationship what do you guys think of Tommy and Jillian's dynamic right now? Jillian is, like, trying to be, like, Edgar needs to move on without me. Maybe Tommy is my new boyfriend. And then Tommy will be, like, love isn't obsession, so let's not spend time together. And Okay, I have mixed feelings. Yeah, what do you think, Allison? I, too, have mixed feelings. I think, I think a lot of what Tommy says makes sense and is probably grounded in truth and healthy relationship patterns. But also, is he here to, like, to, like, change a woman? Do you know what yes. I mean? Like- no, exa- no, that's exactly <laughs> it. Because when I just, like, isolate the things that he's saying, I'm like, these are actually 
good points. Right. Love isn't obsession. Jillian probably does need to be in a relationship with someone where she has her own space and life and sense of self, and so do they. And at the same time, I'm like, why are you lecturing her? He's like, let me teach you. Right. And then it's like, oh, you poor dear, you want me to sleep in your bed? Learn a lesson from this. (laughs) Because it's like, it's not like, oh, you're starting to date in real life. And so you want to go back to your apartment because like you have an early morning and so they should sleep at their apartment. It's literally like, I'm going to just sleep in a separate bed to like teach this lesson to you. Yeah. Uh, Which is a little gross. Especially because (laughs) he was like all over her at the party and being very like protective of his domain with the new guy, Deke. But like when they're one-on-one, he's very like, I don't think you're ready for another relationship. And like, you really need to learn about, you know, being independent. And I'm going to teach that to you by being withholding of the things you want. (laughs) And it's for your own good. And I didn't really like that dichotomy either, that like, he wants to scare the other dudes off of her, but he also wants to control their dynamic because he's the wise guy, the wise older man who's teaching her. Uh, I don't think she should end up with anyone at the end of this. I agree. Strong agree. I want Jillian to just go date in the real world, thrive, spend some time on her own, live her life as a 21-year-old. And you know who else agrees? Tommy. Tommy's (laughs) not trying to leave in a relationship with Jillian right now. Certainly not. But I think Tommy wants Jillian to want a relationship with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that he can then go, no. No. Even though I care for you, this is what's best for you. It's yes. for me to leave here single so I can now have sex with all the people who saw me on this yeah. show. It's time for and me for to take you. this perfect phase yeah. and this dick to other, other to, adventures. To save that other women. To save other, other <laughs> almost teenagers who don't quite know how to navigate the world yes. on their own yeah, yet. He's like, this level of knowledge cannot be contained to just one woman. Right. I must do the magnanimous thing. <laughs> Exactly. I'm putting out fires both literally and figuratively. (laughs) There are a lot of recent college graduates who need to learn how to be with a super hot guy who doesn't want to spend all his time with them. (laughs) Meanwhile, Edgar and Marissa are hitting a bit of a road bump. Edgar has been very, like, emotionally, romantically involved with Marissa, but not really crossing the physical boundary with her in the same way that maybe Jillian has. And they're both at this point now being like, listen, let's slow it down and really get to know each other and not just be so emotional and, like, romantic with each other. And then Trace decides to get involved. And I'm curious for your thoughts. This was such shit-stirring. After the party... I thought it was bizarre. Trace tells Edgar that... She has observed that Marissa, with him, it seems like everything's good or with the whole group. But when she's just with the other single women, she'll say things like, I'm not trying to be serious. I like him, but like, eh. And that she's not looking for a romantic connection. And Edgar is very shaken. He's like, I take things at face value. And that's how I ended up in my current situation. And I was like, Edgar, what's your current situation? Like, You have a girlfriend. You cheated on her. Your relationship isn't that great anymore. You went on Temptation Island. And she's realizing that she actually doesn't like you. Like, I just, like, I feel like there's actually a very different situation from the one you think it is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's being intentionally 
manipulative, but I just found him to be, like, he likes to self-victimize yeah. a lot. And then he also seems to thrive in the situation where he can, like, be the magnanimous comforter. Mm. So he, like, goes to Marissa, makes her very upset. There really isn't any action for her to take because she hasn't done anything. And then he's like, oh, dear, dear, cry, cry into my shoulder crying to my shoulder. And I'm just like, this is a man who also needs to be on his own and probably shouldn't be dating anyone. Yeah. I think that, yeah, Edgar is such a romantic and that, as we see in this episode, can also mean really romanticizing yourself and the wrongs that have been done to you (laughs) and the kind of person you are. And yeah, I don't know what's going on with Marissa. We don't really see enough of any of these individuals to decide what kind of people they are, what their intentions are. Maybe her intentions aren't good. Maybe she's just like, this guy has a girlfriend he's obsessed with and he talks about her all the time. So like, I'm not going to get out over my skis here. That seems really reasonable. That's that's what I was going to say. Like her reasoning seems very normal. And I wonder if Trace being so kind of Mm. off the deep end with LaSalle's is like, well, you have to commit to loving and marrying this person or else you're just like simply an unserious contender. Whereas Marissa seems to be like, I see the situation I'm in, which is that I'm connecting in certain ways with a guy who's in a serious relationship still, even if he has the intention of ending it. Yeah, like like what Marissa was saying, like that she was like, well, it came because I was afraid. Like I'm afraid to like you know, privately say that I'm so all in when you're in a relationship with somebody else or like we're in the middle of this like wild reality show setup, And, you know, and so I actually thought that she verbalized her side of the story really well, where she like didn't get defensive. She didn't deny having said those things, but she like gave an ex like a reasonable explanation for why she said them and what they I mean. agree. I thought. She was very reasonable and level-headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I never trust how these conflicts are litigated because it's just impossible to ever know. But I agree that she, like, came off quite well in the interaction and that Edgar doesn't quite know how to handle it. Um, yeah. He's asking her, like, do you want me, Marissa? And she's like, I feel like it's a little early to say, like, I want you to be my man. He's like, I'm not asking that. I'm like, Edgar, what are you asking? Yes, you are. Yeah, you are. I hate when people ask a direct question, the person doesn't give them the answer that they want and and highlights that maybe the question wasn't appropriate. And then the first person is like, that's not what I said. (laughs) They're like, oh, you you thought that's what I was at? Okay, crazy. Way to get ahead of yourself. I just (gasps) asked, when I asked you to be my girlfriend, I wasn't asking you to be my girlfriend. I was just like in a hypothetical world 10 years from now when everything (laughs) is falling apart due to nuclear warfare, (laughs) would you commit to me? That's what I meant. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's really just like, it's classic. It's classic uh, male uh, deflection in these moments. Uh, and let's talk about the bonfires. Um, we actually end in the middle of bonfires because they're so dramatic this week. But first, we do see the women's glimpses into what their men are up to. Iris hears and sees Luke telling one of the women that Iris... 
It actually seemed like weirdly cut, like he was maybe talking about what he worried might be happening, and they just cut out the framing because it I sounded like such a they, weird thing to state as fact in the way that he framed it. They've been chopping up the clips so that they sound like worse, worse than they he, actually are. Yeah, because it presents it as him being like, while I'm growing and learning and Iris, for Iris to be a better man and fix the things she doesn't like, like she's coasting along and just waiting for me to do better and holding on to the past instead of just like really learning to shine her own light. And it's like, that sounds way more like he's like speculating rather than him being like, this is what Iris does and she's the worst. So have either of them had romantic connections with other people? Not, Not strongly. Really. It's okay. almost leading me to believe that somehow uh, they're, like, the most likely to stay yeah, together. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think that they're, that, that um, they've both been, like, making connections, but neither of them has been, like, diving into, like, a relationship style, like, solo focus in a way that most of the other people have. Like, Iris sort of had that with one guy, and then she was, like... I really need to learn how to be independent and focus on Iris right now. So, like, we can't keep, like, pursuing this. They also both, like, when they react to bonfire moments on the whole, they're they're both very likely to be like, oh, I really see what my partner is saying. Yeah, that is, that is true to an extent. And, like, this is my issue with it. But, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah she received it well, I thought. Yeah. She yeah. says, basically... And this has come up before that she's like, he keeps talking about how I won't let go of the past, but like he might consider something the past, whereas I consider it recent. For example, he broke five my trust months ago. five months ago. That's like if if you're if your man has like repeatedly broken your trust and you keep forgiving him and he did it just a few months ago, would you really consider that to be like a fully resolved issue that's in the past? Like probably not. <sighs> Well, that's that same expectation of, like, you heal when I think you should be healed by. Right. Mm, I'm exactly. over this. Why aren't you over this? Yeah. <laughs> um, so and he has a history of cheating on her. He has a history of, like, texting other girls flirtatiously, I guess. Um, and he said, like, oh, yeah, I do that, and it's not appropriate, but I do it because, like, Iris is so hot, and men pay attention to her, and it makes me insecure. <laughs> what? And it's like, well, okay, that's fair, Luke. <laughs> you really, you yeah, really explain that. that's how relationships that. work. <laughs> it's like, go be with a less hot woman then. Like, I don't understand. Um, yeah, that's really a you issue, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Jillian sees Edgar <laughs> looking very drunk and out of it, uh, sensually grinding on Marissa at the toga party. I feel like Jillian is just, like, relieved that it's not him directly looking at the camera saying, fuck you, again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, he's having a good time. Good, yeah. We we definitely need to break up. So glad he's yeah. he's enjoying himself. Yeah, and then she talks about how she needs someone who matches her ambition more than Edgar. Now that she's <laughs> out of college, um, she I don't see Jillian getting back with Edgar. I would be really. I hope not. I really, I hope really not. Hope not. Yeah, they're definitely one of the couples that I thought might try to make a go because they're they were so attached to each other at the beginning, but they clearly just needed time apart for each of them to be like, oh, all the things I like about being in a relationship with my current partner, I can just have by having a new partner that's, like, more compatible with me. <laughs> uh, Ash sees Hanya telling Edgar that during the quarantine leading up to the show, 
he got a text from someone that he had been fucking that said, and I want to read this because it's so cringeworthy. Hey, sir, are you up? Get up so you can come fuck me. Sir, in a booty call text. Is this what people are are doing these days? (laughs) Is that cute? Um, Please. Anyone listening, please, yeah, please let, let us, us know. know. Yeah. yeah, We're all out of the loop we have about no idea. the booty <laughs> Hey, Slut sir, lingo. come fuck me. If I ever get back out there, I want to know if that's a cute thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Ash, again, is just like, yep, saw that text. Yeah, she was like, I already yep. saw, I already know about that. I saw it at the time and never told him. And I was like, okay, so this relationship is really not going well. We've this, got they've been together for a year and a half, and it's already, already this bad. Already this bad? Yikes. No excuse. Need to break up. Like, what are they even getting from it? I mean, I guess sometimes it just feels good to think that you found the person who's going to be your your home base relationship and even if they're fucking other people <laughs> i almost wonder if uh if he love bombed ash like if if he made ash feel very special at the beginning very much you are my person you're my soulmate they had an mm-hmm. idea that this was going to be it and then 3 months later everything went to shit but then you have like that memory of how he made them feel, and it's hard to let that go. I, it's possible. I actually wonder, because Ash has also spoken about having had some really, especially psychologically abusive relationships in the past, and they've said that, like, Hanya in front of hot women has only ever referred to them as his friend and not his, like, girlfriend. I wonder if, like, there was just, like, a way in which they were comfortable or accustomed to having less and so that felt familiar and and like how a relationship should feel and so maybe that it wasn't even necessary to love bomb them I wonder I mean they do have certain like affinities I think they're both like a little offbeat like interested in like more like crunchy woo stuff and maybe that they just seem like a good fit I don't know but Ash is Ready to move on. Ash is like, I remember now what it feels like to actually be wanted and not just physically. And that's Taylor. And they say, I'm a fool for love. No, no, I'm not. I'm not a fool. I'm a hopeful romantic. I love that. Reclaiming their power. (laughs) I loved that. (laughs) I loved it too. I love Ash, I just, I want to hang out with Ash. Ash is just incredible because Ash, everything Ash says and does is like a skit that they're doing. Like, every line is considered. There's like a little, like the way, that was like it was scripted. I don't know if it was or not, but like the little pause at the meaningful point, catching themselves, saying it in a very clear and impactful way. It's just so dramatic. They know, they know what they're doing. And of course, we end on Ashley seeing... This insane clip of Lascelles just being like, forget my partner of seven years. You're my future wife and I'll always be there for you. And you can take that promise of mine to the literal (laughs) grave. And Ashley just seems dumbfounded. And she says, um, okay, I'm a a bit confused. Same. This is hilarious because also the other women were like mouths fully agape watching this clip. Like, 
what the <laughs> fuck is he doing? Which was also my reaction. <laughs> Incredible. That's where we end. They don't want us to see, I guess, Ashley's full reaction until next week. I, I need I need the next episode immediately. Can you imagine seeing that? Oh, my God. It's interesting that, like, she sort of immediately went to, like, being dubious of it. Like, yeah. Like, that she maybe knows him well enough to know that, like, maybe that's how he felt in that moment, but I don't know if that's how he truly feels. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. kind of suspect that she's watching that and she's like, oh, he's so full of shit. I wonder, yeah. right? I thought she was looking around almost like, for someone to pop out and be uh, like, yeah, am cool, I being yeah. punked? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, is this a, a gag by production? Uh, How do you come back from that, though? Like, if he changes I his mind. I truly don't know. Right? I don't know if you can. Because I would almost be like, okay, you're saying now, like, oh, you're always the one that I loved. And I'm like, well, I saw how earnestly and passionately you said that to someone else after being apart from you for a week and a half. Yeah, that so, would like, really require a lot of couples counseling yes. for, you know, to possibly get through because that is rough. But that brings us to the end. Allison, uh, before we leave you to the rest of your day, please tell the people where to find you and your work and especially your book. Yeah. So um, my book, Overthinking About You, uh, Navigating Romantic Relationships When You Have Anxiety, OCD, and or Depression, it's officially coming out on May 3rd. So you can pre-order it right now. And if you pre-order it, there's actually, um, you get some exclusive gifts. Um, if you live in uh, the U.S., you get an exclusive notebook and pen. If you're international, you get a free digital download. Um, so just some extra incentives to sort of pre-order. But basically, it's like, I think it's kind of the first book that like explicitly looks at the intersection of dating and mental health and sort of like, how do we navigate these two things and, you know, form healthy relationship habits, even if our mental health has gotten in the way of us being able to do that before. Um so I would love for people to check that out. I'm also going on a book tour. Um, and so all that info is on my socials at Allison Raskin. Yeah, you're coming through New York, right? Yes, I'll be in New York on May 10th, Chicago May 9th, LA May 3rd, and San Francisco May 4th. That's so exciting. I wish I had this book when I was dating, especially in my 20s. Uh, I think I could have really used it. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of wrote it because I needed it and it didn't exist. <laughs> I'm so excited to read it. I think probably useful for anyone because, you know, we should all date our spouses. It's very yeah. important to do that. So it's definitely, it, it's a, some stuff's about like the early stages, but some stuff is definitely applicable regardless of what stage of the relationship you're at. Yeah. 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 I'm so excited to that. read it. And Allison, oh, thank, thank you. you so much for joining us. This was super fun. We so appreciate it. Please come back. Oh, please. This has opened my world to some <laughs> shows that truly blow my mind. Yeah, they'll haunt <laughs> you forever. <laughs> And that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks so much to our guest, Allison Raskin. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, help spread the word about our show, especially to your friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. 
If you want to get in touch, you can also email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions, voice memos, and any suggestions for other shows that you'd like to see us cover during this off-season. We truly are open to talking about whatever it is that you guys are excited by and whatever it is that you are watching. You can also find us on TikTok. Yes, we are figuring out TikTok. Uh, support our efforts and on Twitter at love to see it pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma pod. And you can find our newsletter, rich text on Substack at Claire and Emma I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Emma lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E Fallon. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Can you keep Stitcher. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's disinfecting wipes conveniently tackle surfaces, including remotes, tablets, and smartphones, killing 99.9% of viruses and bacteria. (sighs) Don't just clean, Lysol clean.